0: Good morning, good morning, everybody. Good morning, those who are who are here, and those who are gonna be watching on Facebook Live and listening via the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Good to see your faces again. Let's go ahead and start with a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for gathering us together in your name. Thank you, oh God, for your love. For us, your grace that you have shown us, the grace that we have today to be able to gather together in your name and worship you in freedom. We do not take advantage of it. We know, O Lord, that many struggle to be able to hold on to their faith. But we thank you, O God, for giving us that grace to be able to call upon your name, to be able to be called your own children. We come worshiping you. We come adoring you this morning, asking, O God, for ears to hear you eyes to see you to see you enthroned oh lord and a heart that understands even as we study your word oh god that we may always cleave to you you're the giver of life and we just adore you this morning thank you for this opportunity thank you oh god for your spirit that is present here for your word says we two or three gathered in your name you are there in their midst and so oh god we ask oh god for A spirit of attentiveness and a spirit of understanding To know the depths of your love for us And to be able to understand and absorb Whatever it is you're teaching us today In Jesus name we pray Amen Okay Um, We have been in our discipleship series We've been talking about knowing Jesus Through his words and through his Works So last week where we ended was uh, We briefly said When Jesus began to as began his ministry he began to proclaim that repent for the kingdom of god is at hand so we said we we're going to kind of go into uh talking about the kingdom so let's go ahead and uh we'll start off with matthew 4 verse 17 which is the beginning of jesus's uh ministry matthew 4 uh, 17 and i'm going to take this one but then uh as we go along i'll call you guys to reach all right so it says from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's the difference between preach and teach? Who knows?
1: Are you asking? Me? I'm asking
0: everybody. An what's the difference between to preach and teach? In your head, it's almost the same thing. Okay. What do you think, Domitian? I think preaching is like like the word of God. And like talking about letting people understand other part of view. And teaching good, to someone else that you learn from. Interesting. Okay. So I wanted to draw you guys' attention to this because to preach is to proclaim something, to announce something, to give an announcement or something. It's not necessarily teaching you anything. It's just making you aware of that fact. It's just that when I say, Christmas is
2: coming,
0: you're aware that Christmas is coming, right? I'm not teaching you what Christmas means. I'm not teaching you what, um, when it is, or how you will recognize what it is. Well, to teach, Jesus was also a teacher. The Bible says that when Jesus called his disciples, he taught them. And when he gave them the command, the Great Commission, he said, go out and Teach all nations, right? So he didn't he didn't call us to go and preach. He called us to go and teach, to teach others to be his disciples. So when you come to discipleship uh, lessons, you're being taught what he is, right? But the preaching part is the announcement. So Jesus, when he began his ministry, he gave the announcement that the kingdom of God is at hand, right? It's near. It's coming near. Okay, so let's look first initially. What kingdom and, means? Uh huh.
1: So um, the, from the distinction now you have made, mm-hmm. between the teaching
0: and the preaching. Preaching, yeah.
1: So we normally say, oh, we are going to uh, the the style for the pastor to preach. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then all of us will
2: listen with you know, on Sunday, or
1: Sundays, mm-hmm. we are in church. To hear the pastor preach, yeah. <laughs> so the that that it's that's a wrong uh, concept. That it's
0: a wrong com- it, It's not only. It's not completely wrong. It's Let me. See, it's not completely wrong because at the end of the day, when he when he's teaching, he's also preaching because he's giving you an announcement and letting you know. Let's say someone comes in here for the first time, right, and he tells you something like the wages of sin is dead. He's proclaiming an announcement that that is a fact, okay. right? But the person doesn't know, the person who's come here for one time, except the person repeatedly comes and begins to read their Bible, they're not being taught per se, right? So you know why, why I thought of this
2: issue? Mm-hmm. Because uh, we we have been taught mm-hmm. uh, that the,
1: the, the difference between teaching teaching uh, you know when a pastor is teaching and when a pastor is preaching is that you will talk talk when he's preaching you can't ask questions <laughs> okay. you are just there to listen yeah then oh, the teaching part is the one that when he's teaching he's interacting opportunity to ask questions that has been our yeah our uh, this understanding the difference between um Preaching teaching and teaching Now yeah. we are. So this is another understanding now mm-hmm. we are having today mm-hmm. that preaching is just announcing, yeah, proclaiming, proclaiming yes, proclaiming, yeah. telling you what, what it is. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But teaching is pro, uh, still proclaiming, taking you, but taking
0: but you through the process, you to the, through yeah. the process yeah. and
1: the procedures yeah. Yeah. of yeah. what is being announced. Yes,
0: yes. And giving you an understanding of it basically. Because you remember Jesus will teach in he will tell them parables, but then when he came to his disciples, he will give them the explanation of the parables which because those are his students. Those are the ones that he's actually teaching. Right. Okay, so who knows what kingdom means?
2: What does it mean to you? Okay. The territory that is being governed by a king. Alright, okay, sense, okay.
0: What do you think, Thomas You're not you're nothing ahead. Your you you agree with her? Same thing? Same thing.
1: Okay. Okay. And because we said it's a two syllable word. kingdom.
0: Alright. Dominion, and a, dominion a king. and a king.
1: Dominion
0: and a king. Okay, so uh does anybody want to look at the dictionary? What does the dictionary say about it? And then I'll I'll give the Bible interpretation. Who wants to look at their dictionary? If you have a dictionary on your phone, let me know. While you're looking at that, I'll give you two words, okay? In Hebrew, the word kingdom is Mamlacha. okay? In Greek, the word kingdom is basilia. Basilia. All right? Basilica. Basilica is the church, right? (laughs) So, the, the church, yeah, the church, they kind of adopted the word to represent the church, right? Right. So you can see how the word has morphed over time. Who has a dictionary definition? Okay. I
3: have there's two definitions. The first one is a country, state, or territory, sorry, a country, state, or territory ruled by a king or
0: queen. Okay. And then the second definition is the spiritual reign of the authority of God. Okay. So they give you like what it means on the, on the religious side and what it means on the circular side. Okay, so let's define what the, the, by what the Bible actually uh, looks at the word from. So it's, this is a translation from the Greek original word, right? Um, so the Greek original word uh, meant the royal power, the kingship, the domain rule, not to be confused with an actual kingdom. So the, main, the definition of the original word means the power itself, the authority itself not necessarily people. If you look at America, for example, right? America, you can say America is a kingdom. You can say Rome uh, Rome is a kingdom. But what gives Rome the authority to be a dominion, to be a power over people? That authority, that thing that gives them, that essence that you you can't see with your eyes, that is what they say comes from God, right? So when Jesus is telling Pilate that, um... When Pilate tells him, Don't you know I have the power to set you free? And he says, You will have no power over me except it's given to you by God. Right? So it's the actual authority itself that means kingdom. The actual, the actual, that ethereal power that man may claim that he has, but he really doesn't have. Right? That actual authority is the meaning of kingdom. Okay, so we're going to look at first, uh, of. Uh, First, we'll look at Genesis uh, chapter 1. And then we pivot to uh, Genesis chapter 1, 26 through to 28. Sorry, someone, if you have it, you can read me. Otherwise, who has it first? Uh, 26 to 28, 1st Genesis. Genesis chapter
3: one, twenty-six to twenty-eight. God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon earth. And God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and God blessed them. God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every
0: living thing that moveth upon earth. So God's initial creation when he thought about man was, let us make him in our image and likeness, but let him also have dominion over the entire earth authority so that's god initial purpose when he created man to give him that same level of authority that he had but over the earth to subdue it and to have dominion over it so that's the first thing that God created right when he was that was what his mindset was when he was creating man all right so now let's pivot to second chronicles 13 from 8 to 12 so we can get an understanding of what it means to be the kingdom of God, right? Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles 13, Second Chronicles 13, from verse 8 to 12.
1: And now ye think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David, and ye be a great multitude. And there are with you golden curls, at uh, which Jeroboam made, made you for gods. Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and have made your priests after the manner of the nations of other lands, so that whosoever cometh to consecrate himself with a young bull and several rounds, the same may be of them that are no gods but as for us the lord is our god and we have not forsaken him and the priests which ministered unto the lord are the source of error and the levites wait upon their business and they they burn unto the lord every morning and every evening burnt sacrifices and sweet incense they show bread also said they in order upon the pure table, and the candlestick stick of gold, with the lambs thereof, to burn every evening. For for we keep the, the charge of the Lord our God, but they have forsaken him. And behold, God himself is with us, for our captain and his priest, with sounding trumpets, to cry alarm against you, O children of Israel. Fight ye not against the Lord, God of your fathers, for ye shall not
0: prosper. Thank you. So I want us to kind of pay attention to certain key phrases here, right? This is when the, uh, the kingdom of Judah is uh, about to fight against the children of Israel because Jeroboam has decided that he wants to fight against uh, the children of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between the both of them? One kingdom has continued... To do the things that god has commanded them to do right they have commanded to follow the people who god commanded them to follow which is the sons of Aaron. that's number one they have continued to keep the sons of david as kings over them right they've also continued to come to perform the sacrifices the daily sacrifices for the lord by the selected priests and under the selected king that god has ordained right they have continued under the authority and the kingship and the ordinances of god but the other set of people they have taken upon themselves to carry out their own practices right what is in their hearts they took golden calves golden calves that moses warned them about in the wilderness they carried golden calves they brought them back they brought about the worship of golden calves they brought back the worship of. You can, you can consecrate yourself as a priest if you so choose, as long as you bring seven rams, if you have enough money to buy that. Obviously, they're obviously making the wealthy people priests in their midst, because it's not easy to be able to buy seven rams in that time, right? So that's the difference between the two nations. One, but look at his keywords. He says, Judah is the kingdom of God because we have continued to follow. The Lord and the Lord is our King. But as for you, you have forsaken the Lord. So nothing that you can fight against the Lord and Prosper, right? Alright, so when he says there's a there's a there's a translation that says, um, do you not know that the okay, it's actually in verse five, actually. So let me read that verse five. Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over israel to david forever even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt, of salt. Really? what does that mean who understands what that means yeah. what is a covenant of salt you, you see, um... yeah, I I okay yeah. it's a very costly yeah. it's one of value salt When Jesus says, have salt in yourselves, right? Every sacrifice shall be salted. Salt is a very valuable commodity. It is used for everything, right? It is used for preservation. It is used for seasoning. It is used for... In that day, salt is a very precious commodity. So what he's telling them is that the covenant that God gave to David, it's one that is of great value. It is not something that you can replace with anything else nothing can replace salt that's why jesus says if salt loses its taste where we shall it be salted nothing can replace that covenant all right so let's look at the covenant that he's talking about it's in first Corinthians uh chapter 17. Uh-huh.
1: Oh, okay. all right First
0: Corinthians chapter seventeen, and we're gonna start from verse seven. Uh, either miracle or you can I read this time. First Corinthians, chapter 17. Yeah, First Corinthians chapter seventeen. Do you have it already? Uh, no, First Corinthians seventeen. From start from uh, seven to fourteen. What? No. What the heck? Hold on. First Corinthians seventeen. From verse seven, it's right here. No, not Corinthians. Sorry, Chronicles. I apologize. Oh my gosh. Sorry. First Chronicles. Sorry. Uh, verse seven to fourteen. (laughs) like, there's no 1st 17 I'm like what? I'm looking at it right here no first chronicles Chronicles. yeah you said the 17? Uh, it's 14 7 to 14 now then tell my servant David this is what the Lord Almighty
3: says I took you from the pasture from tending the flock and appointed you rulers over my people Israel I have been with you whenever you have gone Cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make you your name like the name of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home and a home of their own, and no longer be dis- disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they will, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since. the time I appointed leaders over in my people Israel, I will also subdue all your enemies. I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you when your days are over and you go to your, when you go sorry, and you go to be with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed, to succeed, succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take
0: my love away from him, as I took away from your predecessors. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. So keep looking at the word that says forever and everything. The, the, mess, the, the promise is forever and ever. Even after David is dead, his throne, his kingdom, his authority we shall we never pass away. It shall never cease. shall go on from generation to generation and we will see that in the book of daniel but before we go to daniel i want to uh bring something uh quickly to our attention so let's look at first samuel uh chapter eight so when i was when we were going over second chronicles distinguishing between both kingdoms the kingdom of judah who followed Uh, the principles of God and the other kingdom who kind of wanted whatever they wanted, right? We said the fact that one, one kingdom, the the biggest example you're going to take from them is the fact that they're following everything that God has ordained them to follow, right? They're following what God has ordained for them. They have not followed what they wanted for themselves, right? So if you look at uh, when Jesus is actually uh, um, about to be crucified, when Peter said, uh, oh, this is not happening to you. So what, what was one of the words that Jesus actually said? I don't drink the cup that is given to me by my father. Right. He submitted all the way to the end. So the one thing you have to understand is submission to God is a part of being a part of the kingdom. Right. So that's the first lesson. But let's go to first Samuel.
1: Uh first Samuel eight from verse one to verse nine. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons, judges over Israel. Now the name of the name of his first girl was Joel, and he said, and the name of his second uh, Abia. They were judges in bed and his sons walked not on his twins. But turned aside after Euclid and took bribes and perverted justice judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together, gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all nations. But the thing displeased Samuel. When they said, Give us a king to judge us like to judge us and Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Havkin unto the voice of the people, in all that they said unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, where we have forsaken me and served other gods, so do do they also unto thee. Now, therefore, hearken unto their voice, how it, yet protest uh, solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall rule over them.
0: Amen. Okay, so every time I read this, I always wonder, I mean his songs were not good, you know He says they collected bribes, they perverted justice. So what did they do wrong and why did God say it is me that they rejected by not accepting Samuel's sons? And if you haven't uh, so there was last week last week I posted a, a podcast me and my friend were talking about the modern state of Israel, right? And how a lot of people tend to say Israel is no longer valid, that the nation is no longer um, the nation is no longer a valid nation, that it's the church that has replaced it, right? And me and my friend, we go into scripture, we talk about a lot of stuff, I talk about what God has revealed to me concerning that, right? And I'm reminded of how um, in the days of Eli, Eli's sons weren't good either. But they never requested a king at that point, right? It, it was after God dealt with Eli's household and replaced Eli's household with Samuel, right? And Samuel took over that they then decided that, no, we don't want this guy to judge us, right? We want a king like all the other nations, right? So what I'm trying to bring to attention here is the fact that Sometimes when you say certain things you don't want them, God hasn't given you that spirit to not want it. You might look at the person and judge the person and say that this person doesn't deserve to rule over me, right? And you will want to replace the person. Well, has God given that authority for for the for the rulership to be transferred, right? It's just something to think about. Timmy, good to see you. I thought you weren't coming. Welcome. <laughs> So it's just something to kind of muse on the fact the story of Samuel. Samuel was God specifically called Samuel from his childhood. Samuel was not of a priest lineage, right? Samuel was a gift that his mom gave to the priest at the time, right? And the sons of Eli, uh, the sons of uh, Eli, right? The sons of Eli they had begun to pervert, and God had determined in His heart that He was gonna bring their own priesthood to an end. Right? Well the people didn't come to ask for a king during that time frame. They didn't see the 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 way you know Eli's sons were misbehaving, you know, doing all kinds of unrighteous stuff and complain. Right? It was only after Samuel came in to replace that line and his sons were about to take over because he put his sons as judges over them that they suddenly decided that no we do not want these people we want a king like all the other nations right so think about that for for a second and understand that god then in that situation said that it is not you that they have rejected it is me that they have rejected because god was the one that instituted samuel and god was the one that begun the line of samuel it wasn't something that they were used to right and so because they saw a change they decided, okay, we might as well just change it. Let's be like the elder nations. And God tells them that, hey, give them what they want, right? Let them pick what they want. But what they pick will be a burden to them. Alright, so let's continue and go to the book of Daniel because that's where we see how the king the kingdom and the and the kingship is kind of prophesied to come. Daniel chapter seven. from 13 to 18. Spring, are you gonna read this one? Daniel 7, 13 to 18.
2: I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. What was to, sorry?
0: to no, uh, verse 18. Yeah.
2: And there was given him dominion and glory and the kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by, and asked him the truth of all of this. So he told me, and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the most high shall take the kingdom
0: and possess the kingdom forever. Even forever. forever. Amen. So we know Jesus did say that, and you shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, right? With great power and authority. And at that point they they wanted to stop their ears. Because they would they didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to know that he was the one who this scripture was referring to. But he does say that he will come with great power and authority on the clouds of heaven. But where he ends is, and the saints of the Most High, the saints, the sanctified ones, the one who are chosen of God, shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. So, remember we looked at Genesis and we said that God was actually, um, when he was creating man in his image, it was his plan for man to have Dominion over the whole earth to subdue the earth and to rule over everything, right? But then it says here, now they shall possess the kingdom. The key word is to possess the kingdom forever and ever. What does it mean to possess the kingdom, right? We've seen many kingdoms rise since Christ died. We've seen the Ottoman Empire rise and be conquered, which after the Roman Empire, right? You had the the king. The Roman Empire was you know broken into two halves. And then you see that the Ottoman Empire came and ruled for a long time, and then we saw um, the Kingdom of England, the UK, the United Kingdom, rule for a long time. And now, what do we have today? I mean, we have separate kingdoms; no one is a particular kingdom. But we know that America, in its own superpower, is actually influencing the world. So, to a great extent, it is a kingdom of its own, right? Even the Russian Empire is also a kingdom of its own, to a great extent. So what does it mean that the saints shall possess the kingdom forever and ever right this is where jesus's teaching comes to play so we'll look at matthew matthew 13 31 to 32 so i'll go ahead and read this one it says another parable put he forth unto them saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among the herbs, and it becometh a tree. So that the birds of the air come lodge in the branches thereof. Who kinda on this who wants to give an interpretation to this proverb that Jesus is saying? Huh? Oh, first, it's uh, Matthew 13, 13, 1 through to 32. Who wants to give an interpretation to this? Should I read it again? Yes? Yes? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matthew uh, thirteen thirty one to thirty two, and another parable. Put, Jesus, put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches. They yeah. they're yeah. off. Okay. I think okay. Uh, but I take
2: it as for us to reach the kingdom of heaven, we have to grow our faith. Um, it's not going to start out as we're not going to get everything in the beginning. It's okay. something we have to work on and uh, nurture over time, so that other people can also be drawn to us. And
0: that's an interesting way okay i like that all right so it's exciting when you're smiling Did you have one okay okay all right so what i see here is jesus is that man who's sowing a tiny seed into his own field right when he came proclaiming the gospel when he came teaching his disciples he came to his own right that's his own field right that's his own vineyard right he came to Seoul, but where has the gospel gone? How big is the gospel right now? How big is that tree? It started in Judea. Israel is just a tiny little space on the map. But where is the gospel? Who hasn't heard of Jesus? It's a big tree because it's all over the world. Everybody, if you go all the way from to Fiji in the east coast, down to California on the west coast, right? There is a church everywhere you can find the gospel everywhere. The the gospel has gone to the ends of the earth. It has become a humongous tree that the birds of the air come and lodge in it. We are those birds that are coming to lodge in it. We get our food from there. We make our home in it. The gospel, Christianity, the Christian, the faith that you profess, it's not just something that um that is there for you it lives within you it grows within you it's something that like she said you have to develop the faith and make sure that it's growing within you right so it's a small seed that he planted but it's become big so let's look at also Luke chapter 17 uh 20 to 21 and then after this we'll have one more verse and and we'll, we'll kind of pause there Luke 17 20 to 21 says for the kingdom of God is within you right so I always struggle with those two interpretations because some verses will say it's in the midst of you meaning that it's amongst all of us right and some will say it's within you as a person but there is another verse that says it's within you and around you all right so the kingdom itself is not necessarily all oh, the superpower of America all oh, the superpower of Russia all oh, the superpower that was great Rome but it is the people the Saints themselves who are possessing the kingdom they're laying hold of the promises of God and following God's Word all right they're walking in faith they're holding on to the promises that is where the dominion comes from—the ability to lay hold of God, lay hold of His Word, and grasp it and not let go. All right, so let's look at one more verse: uh, John chapter three, three to eight, and we this Luke chapter seventeen, where he's um, Luke seventeen twenty, where he's uh, talking about the fact that the kingdom is not, you know, does not see by observing, but it actually. You can compare that to the book of Daniel, where he says one coming from the clouds of heaven, right, and the saints. They lay hold of it. How do you lay hold of it? By taking possession of it, right? It's within. It's now within you, right? But well, you don't only see it grow within you. You see it all around you. You see it manifesting the things that you do. They say you speak things into manifestation. I don't oh, know if that that's a is that a biblical word that you you speak things and they come into manifestation. It shall be established. established. Okay. Well, okay. All right. Let's look at John chapter three. Verse 3 to 8. This will be our final, uh, our final scripture. Then we'll, I will relinquish the microphone. I, I can read this one. Okay. All right, Jesus answered and said unto him. This is when Nicodemus came to him at night. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So one thing I want to clarify here, that phrase, except a man be born again, because we use it a lot as Christians. Was how are you born again? Right? The word is not born again. The word is born from above. The actual Greek word is actually meaning born from above. Except a man be born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Because he must say unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus then answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So first he says, Except a man be born from above, he cannot see it. And then the second time he says, Except a man be born of water, and of spirit what is that two kinds of baptisms baptisms of water for repentance baptism of the Holy Spirit for renewal right he cannot enter into the kingdom that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit the spirit. marvel not that I said unto you unto thee ye must be born again the wind Blow it where it listed, and thou hearest the sound of it. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So it is for everyone that is born of the Spirit. Amen. Thank God for that word. All right. So uh, first is what we will kind of take away. I'll take away from this uh, quick study is that those who receive the kingdom are true worshippers of God. They follow in His ordinances. They follow his words, his laws, his commandments. Right? Second is those who follow, those who possess the kingdom follow his chosen king. And that's why I tell people that do not think that when Jesus says I am the way, the truth and the life, no one cometh unto the Father, that there there truly aren't all the ways. You cannot enter the kingdom through a different way. Because some people will teach that it's okay if you want to uh, practice any other religion. They all lead to the same place. No, they don't all lead to the same place. If you choose somebody else, you have chosen a different king. Just like the difference between those two kingdoms, Judah and uh, Israel, northern Israel, right? Where one calls himself Israel, but he hasn't followed the king whom God has ordained, right? Okay, let's go ahead and say a closing prayer. Uh-huh. all uh there's a and I I will In Romans fourteen, seventeen, can you just Okay. Romans Romans fourteen seventeen, right? Because that ties to the other stuff we Okay, okay. So say that again, Romans 14, 17. Okay, Romans 17. Okay, Romans 14, seven. 17. 14, 17. Okay, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. All right. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit, above all else is what binds us in the kingdom, okay? Okay, we're gonna continue. There's a lot more that we can learn from this. chapter 17. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Body that uh, you will see. So for those who uh, can't hear, maybe online, because his voice sounds a little bit far away, pastor is actually saying that the kingdom of God is about God's dominion over your life. How do you let God take authority and rule over you individually as a person, observing his commandments? Now that pastor actually says that, I always kind of wonder, when people are praying a lot of the time, They always pray. God give me. God give me a new job. God give me a new car. God give me this. God give me that. Is that God ruling over your life? It's a quick question. Pastor, what do you think? (laughs) Well, I will not answer that question because we are starting a series today that we answer all of that question. Okay. 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 Awesome. All right. So. In my own in my own case, what I would say is pray that God's will be done in your life. Jesus is saying this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Alright. Let's close with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your word that is everlasting, that abides forever. Thank you because you stand and you watch over your word to accomplish every word. We vow in worship and in adoration before you, thanking you for who you are to us, thanking you for giving us the grace that we have today to be a part of you, to behold and to see the magnificent work that you have done, to make us a part of your kingdom, and to give us the opportunity to be our own children. We worship you, we exalt you, and we thank you. We lift the rest of the service to you. We ask, oh God, that your spirit may fill this place, and your name be glorified even now and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Um. Sorry, somebody wrote... You-